0: We've been in a series on uh, the kingdom of God. We've talk, the, the title of the series is The Keys of the Kingdom. We've been talking, and, and I don't have time to go through all the, the details of the review, but I would encourage you, if you haven't been here for the last few weeks, to go back and listen to the messages to catch up. It's been a bit of a, a consecutive process of understanding what the keys of the kingdom of God are. And this morning, I want to talk about thinking like the king. We have a king, right? We all agree with that. Good. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? If we have a kingdom, there ought to be a king, and we have a king. He is king of kings. He is king Jesus. We all know that, right? And there are two kingdoms we've said in this series. There's the kingdom of the world, and there's the kingdom of God. Both very real, both here and now. The kingdom of God isn't something we have to wait for. It's, we'll, we'll get to heaven, and that's part of the kingdom, but that's not all of the kingdom of God. Jesus said, remember, Jesus taught us to pray. May your kingdom come here on earth. May your will be done here on earth. Want to say it with me? As it is in heaven. So it's not just something that's far away that we can't participate in or understand or be aware of. We are in the kingdom. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of god is in you he is in us two kingdoms kingdom of the world kingdom of god one is temporary and one is eternal kingdom of the world will eventually pass away that the 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 whole distraction of that will not exist anymore at some point now this morning i want to talk about thinking like the king It's important because he is our king, it's important to know what our king thinks. uh, Would you agree with that? It's important to know what the king is thinking and to know how to think like the king because we're, we're followers of the king. So it's important for us to know how he thinks. And he tells us often in his word, think these things or don't think these things. He tells us how to think. So this morning, for most of our time together, I want to focus on what are, what's going on in our minds. Almost always, if there's a battle going on, the battle is in our mind. Would you agree with that? Um, so it's important for us to know. Um, one of the reasons God invites us to worship Him is so that we'll draw close to Him and He'll be able to have our undivided attention. Just, that's one of the reasons we gather together Because God promises us when we gather together, He is here with us. He meets with us. He dwells with us. He speaks to us. And everything changes when God speaks to us. It's like my granddaughter or all of our grandkids, but one of the grandkids we get to see more than the rest is is Hazel and Iris because they live closer. And and David and Lauren, as you know, work at Eastside and lead of Victorioso, our Spanish-speaking congregation downtown, and little Hazel is two and a half years old. <clears throat> and so when Hazel sees me, she comes running. You guys have seen this happen here at church. She comes running, papa, 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 and I grab her and I hold her tight, and when I'm holding her, I sing to her because I want her to know how I'm thinking and what, what I'm thinking and how I think about her. And so I taught her a little song. I've, sh- I've shared this with you before. I taught her a little song. I said, when I hold her, and, I, and I, I did this about a year and a half ago, she was having a meltdown, and I just started holding her close, and I started singing to her, Hazel is a sweet girl, Hazel is a sweet girl, Papa loves her, Papa loves her. And I just kept singing that over and over. And so she's learned. Now she sings it to herself. <laughs> and the other night, we were at their house, and She was singing songs, so I grabbed my cell phone and I took this video. Watch this. B I B L E. He's singing the B I B L E Bible. changed the words on me. I taught her to sing, Papa loves his hazel. And all of a sudden, she changes the words, which I kind of like, by the way. (laughs) But how does she know to love her Papa? How? She loves her Papa because her Papa has loved her the way this works and because she's heard me say it over and over and over again and she hears me say it when i'm holding her close you where i'm going with this most of the time hazel's running around making lots of noise and playing going papa come to the toy room papa come to the toy room most of the time life's pretty much about her and what she wants to do and she's making so much noise and running so fast she doesn't hear what I have to say to her but when I hold her close and she listens carefully she hears what I have to say and then she knows she's loved and she loves because she has received love she knows what I'm thinking and the way I think toward her. You see how important this is for us to know? Now, we're just big kids, right? <laughs> we're, just, we're just more sophisticated two-and-a-half-year-olds. but We still need to hear that. Anybody else need to hear that from their Heavenly Father, that He loves me? He loves you? We can also know how God thinks by what he tells us in his word. One of the good examples of that is found in Second Samuel chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, turn to Second Samuel chapter 11. You're also going to want to turn to Matthew chapter 16. So you can be turning there as we talk if you'd like. The story in Second Samuel chapter 11 is about King David, another king a king that precedes obviously by several hundred years jesus but he's and jesus comes in the line of david so what happens in the life of david is important for us to know and as we look at what happens what's happening in the life of david we know now what he's thinking by what he did in second samuel chapter 11 verse 1 it starts this way then it happened dum dum dum, dum right isn't that an ominous way for a sentence to begin and then it happened in the spring at the time when kings go out to battle underline those words go out what do kings do what are kings thinking about in the spring of the year They're thinking about, they should be thinking about the battle. They should be thinking about take leading their army and taking their people out to both secure their borders, perhaps take more land, survey the the condition of all the people and all their lands, and so, and do a show of force so that no one is tempted or, uh, or tries to take back land that they own. That's what kings do. In the spring of the year, when the weather clears and it gets good enough to go out and do battle, kings go out. But when kings go out, this time, David sent Joab. He didn't go out. He sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Now the tra- soundtrack should sound like this, <laughs> because something bad is about to happen. Why? Because the the king is thinking about himself. Here's what ha- here's what the king is thinking in this in this situation. King David is thinking about his own comforts, his own desires, and he has decided. He has decided that. <sniffs> that God's not going to take care of him, that he's going to have to take matters into his own head, that he's going to, he cares more about what he wants, getting his desires and his needs met, than being obedient to what God wants. And that's when David, if you know the story, that's when David is standing on his balcony with binoculars. Well, maybe not binoculars, but he's, he just sounded good. He's, sound, he's standing on his balcony looking into places he shouldn't be looking And he sees a beautiful woman named Bathsheba. She's taking a bath. And instead of being out fighting a battle, he's in Jerusalem. He stayed in instead of going out. One thing leads to another. He has Bathsheba brought to the palace. If you know the story, you know that David has sex with Bathsheba. She gets pregnant. One thing leads to another. Now he has to kill her husband. This is the king of God's people. He thinks he doesn't have to. He just thinks he has to. It all goes from bad to worse. So David stopped being a servant king and began thinking about serving himself. Now with that in mind... Let's look and see what the king of kings and lord of lords thinks when he is serving us as king. Now flip to Matthew chapter 16. Because Jesus is going to show us what the king is thinking, the way a good king, the way the king of kings and lord of lords thinks, and the way he wants us to think. We've talked about this over the last few weeks in Matthew 16, verse 16. Jesus came into the district of the Caesarea Philippi. This is a place where, as we've said, a very worldly place. It was known for all kinds of sin. This is the kingdom of the world on display at Caesarea Philippi, a place where Jesus and his disciples typically wouldn't go, but Jesus goes here because he, he's going to go here and explain that I am going to establish my kingdom, and I'm going to give you the keys, he says to Peter, and he does this in a place where very clearly juxtaposed the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of God. So he came into the district, and he says, who do the people, what do the people think? Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they says, well, some say you're John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter. Upon this rock, I will build my church. You know what Jesus is thinking? When he looks at us, he says, I'm going to build my church on you. On your confession of who He is and on our obedience as His followers, He is going to build His truth, His identity, His authority, His power, His church, the hope of the world. You realize God doesn't have another plan? Did you know that? Did you know that if we fail to be the church, He doesn't have a plan B? We are it. We are God's plan for the redemption of the world. And then he says this key phrase we've been, this is where we've gotten the title of the series in verse 19. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Now, now notice what happens when Jesus is king compared to what happened when David was king. He goes on, he goes on to tell us, verse 21, from that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he, you want to say it with me? Okay, say it with some enthusiasm. He must go. He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day when he could have taken the easy route he could have served himself he's gonna go and he's gonna do what the king of kings and what only the king of kings and lord of lords can do he is gonna go he's already gone by the way right he has come from heaven to earth to fulfill this mission he could have stayed in heaven but he didn't he has come to earth And now he is fulfilling his mission, and this is what's on his mind. He's going to go to Jerusalem, suffer many things, and be killed and raised up on the third day. Peter, now, Peter's been selected to be the next rabbi, and Peter pulls him aside and says, Peter, he says, Jesus, he began rebuking, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, You're a stumbling block for me. For you, listen here, listen carefully now. For you are not, what, setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. I don't know if you know this or not, or if you've recognized this or not, but when Peter says, Jesus, you won't surely die, does that sound familiar? Have you ever heard that phrase before? Have you ever heard somebody? Have you ever read that before? Do you know who said that before? Peter said it. Anybody? Satan said it, didn't he? Satan said that very phrase in the Garden of Eden when he said to Adam and Eve, "If you start thinking about, if you just, you just need to think about yourself, you need to stop thinking about what God has said. You need to start thinking about yourself. You won't surely die." What's Peter? Peter is doing something he doesn't even know he's doing. He's quoting Satan, and he doesn't even realize it. He's been caught up in the kingdom of the world and the thinking that does not line up with his Savior. Jesus says, you're setting your mind on things of the world, not on God's interests. In other words, Peter, you think it'd be better for you if I stayed, but it'll be better for everyone if I go and fulfill what God has in mind. He goes on, Then Jesus said to the disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. How do we do that? We do that with our minds, don't we? We decide. We decide that we're going to deny ourselves and that we're going to focus on God and his will and his desires for us, and we're going to follow him. We deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever wishes to lose his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father. This is what's going to happen, friends, as you follow Christ with all your heart, as you Understand the mind of God and allow His mind to reform your thinking. It's what Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 12. To transform our hearts and our minds so that we think like the King. When we think like the King, we follow the King and we do His will. That's what Romans chapter 12 says. So followers of a King, number one, and I'm going to spend most of our time this morning on this one point. The followers of the king, if you're filling out your outline, here it is. As followers of the king, Jesus gives us a new way to think. He gives us a new way to think. He says, think about denying yourself, taking up your cross, following me. Now, to understand this, let's take a look at another parable. And this parable is in Luke chapter 14. So turn there with me and I'll set it up. This is one of those parables where Jesus is saying, telling, giving us several parables in a row so that we'll understand what the kingdom of God is like. Remember, he wants us to know what the kingdom of God is like. He says over and over and over, I came so that you would know what the kingdom of God is like. Or he would say, the kingdom of God is like this. And he would tell a parable. In Luke 14, he tells three parables. At the beginning of that chapter... It says they've gathered at the house of a leader, of of the Pharisees, and they're eating bread together, which is something they do on the Sabbath. This is a ritual that they do on the Sabbath together. They're eating bread on the Sabbath because they're remembering that God has provided bread all along the way. They would always set aside bread, let it rest, let the bread, the yeast, have a, in, the, in the dough, have a Sabbath rest and then bake it and remember and sit and eat bread together and remember what's, what God has done for them on the Sabbath. That's what Jesus is doing with the Pharisees. And so he's telling parables so that they'll understand what the kingdom of God is like and he's talking about a wedding feast and then he talks about a feast in heaven where you invite lots of guests and he's giving them a description of all of that and we'll pick it up there in Luke chapter 14 verse 15 one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this and he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. This next portion of the parable is about who's going to eat and who's going to bring people into the kingdom of God. Who's going to eat in the kingdom of God and who's going to bring them into the kingdom of God? This is what the king is thinking. Okay? Luke 14, verse 15. Skip down to verse 16. He said to him, A man was giving a big dinner, and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I've bought a piece of land, and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I've married a wife and for that reason I cannot come. And the slave came back and reported this to his master. And the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, What are these words? Go out. Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring it, bring in here the poor and crippled and blind and lame. By the way, that's you and I. We are the poor. We are the crippled. We are the blind. We are the lame. And this is who Jesus said he came to reach when he read from the scroll of Isaiah. It's recorded in Luke chapter 4. And the slave said to the master, what you've commanded has been done, and still there's room. And the master said to the slave, what? You want to say it with me this time? Go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my dinner. Let's unpack this parable a second. Now, you know what a parable is? The word parable is... Um, it means to throw alongside. Jesus is throwing alongside an example or an illustration so that we'll understand the main point. That's what he's doing. That's what any parable does. It's a way to illustrate what he really wants us to understand. So let's unpack it for a second. This parable could be called the parable of the great excuses. Right? There are several people who have made excuses why they won't, don't want to come to the big feast. The first excuse could excuse number one could be called the case of the missing land. Notice the guy says, "I I'm, I can't come. I've got I bought some land and I need to go look at it." I think about that for a second. Anybody ever bought land? anybody ever buy land? A little bit. Of, you, have, you have a house. Is it sitting on land? anybody ever buy land? A few of you have bought land. Did you ever buy land that you didn't go look at first? Anybody? If you did, I've got some swamp land in Florida. We'll talk later. Anybody ever buy land you didn't look at first? Anybody ever buy land and have it come out missing? Anybody? Land doesn't just disappear, does it? What kind of excuse is this? Is the land missing? The case, of the excuse of the missing land. Look at the second excuse. The second excuse is this guy has bought some oxen and he needs to go try them out. What are they, turbocharged oxen or something? Are these oxen, you know, do, are they the kinds that have the, the shiny red nose and if you didn't know better, you'd say it glows? Um, what, what kind of oxen are these that you have to go and try them out instead of going to a banquet? Really? Or the third excuse. I call this, the excuse number three, the excuse of the amazing bride. Now, I'm probably going to get in trouble here for, for this, but but let me just, can I just say this? Actually, let me just ask some of you ladies. Here's what's happening. Let's set this up now. Here's the excuse, right? The guy just got married, and now he's been invited to a big banquet where there's going to be really good food. Ladies, when you were first married, would that have been a good choice for your husband? Would, if he'd gotten invited to a really good banquet or eat your cooking, which would it have been? I, I knew I was going to get in trouble for this, right? But that's what he's. Uh, she must be an amazing cook, because he's turning down a banquet where there's going to be feasting for days. <laughs> Half of you just turn me off. He's like, I don't want to listen anymore. You. These are these are excuses. They're, they just don't make a lot of sense, do they? Well, we have the same thing today, don't we? Don't we have modern day excuses why people don't come to church. I had a. Uh, some, some people stay away from church and the kingdom of God because they would say it, it's full of hypocrites. Have anybody ever heard that? Remember, maybe some of us have said that at some point in time uh, in, our, in our history. Some of us say, I don't want to go to church because I, the church is full of hypocrites. I had a friend one time who I, thank God, was able to help find his way into the kingdom, into a relationship. With God. But I used to say to him, he used to, here's what he used to do. He used to go play golf on Sunday mornings and send his wife and kids to church. He goes, I'm not going to church, it's full of hypocrites. And I said, Wait a minute. You're not going to church, but you go play golf? Are you saying there's no hypocrites on the golf course? Ever used a toe wedge? Everybody on the golf course is clean and pure and absolutely perfect. There's going to be golf courses in heaven, buddy. Um, Let's see what Jesus has to say. And I want us to see how important this is. How important it is. What's on the mind of the king? How important is it to God that we go out and bring people in? How important is this? This is a key to the kingdom, friends. This is why Jesus came. This is, Jesus said he came so that we could have life and have it in all of its fullness. He said, I came so that you would know what the kingdom of God is like and be compelled to come in. Luke 14, 21, the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, go out, at once into the streets and lanes of the city or you could say take it to the streets couldn't you we could say take it to the streets east side take the love of god the message of the kingdom take the reality of who he is to the streets and compel them to come in. He says, go out twice here. Verse 23, the master said slave, go out into the highways along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. That word compel, if you look at what it r- means in the original language, it means to actually bring them in by force. I don't think we need to do that necessarily, but it's, that's, it's a very strong word. Let me ask you a question, friends. Do you think the kingdom, that in the kingdom, the urgency of getting as many people as possible into the kingdom of God, do you think that urgency is important to God? Do you think it is? This is how the king thinks. Let me, let me frame it this way. You've seen my granddaughter, Hazel. She's the daughter of our daughter, Lauren. Friends, if something ever happened to Hazel or to Lauren, if some horrible person came along and stole them, either one of them, and held them, I would do anything to get them I would do anything to bring them back home and that friends is the heart of the king because those who are not in the kingdom have been stolen they have been deceived they are a part of the kingdom of the world And God is the Father. He is our Creator. And He has proven that He will do whatever it takes to rescue us and bring us to Himself so that we can eat bread at His table. Do you believe that? There will be two reasons that people don't find themselves in the kingdom one is they don't accept the invitation or secondly because we don't go and invite and compel them to come the last two points let me give you quickly Jesus Jesus gives us a new way to think and because of that he gives us a new way to live He gives us a whole new way to live. We've got to take up our cross as servants of the king. And thirdly, Jesus gives us a whole new destiny. He gives us a whole new purpose, a reason for living, and an understanding of the reality of the kingdom of God. We are called, friends, we are called to crash the gates of hell and plunder hell and populate heaven. That's what we're called to do as followers of Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. To know what he's thinking, to think like he thinks, for our thinking to line up with his mind, so that, as Paul writes, so that we will do his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So that his purposes, so that our life will line up with his purpose. And our purpose and our destiny will be fulfilled. This may be more important than we think. And when we do, when you do that, this friend I was telling you about, who's now in the kingdom, you know, he was far, far from God. He had an alcohol problem. His business was tanking on him. And it took him a long time to finally sort of wave a white flag and say, okay, I'm ready to to stumble into the kingdom. But now, every year in November, The anniversary of the day he said yes to Jesus. He calls me and says, he tells me how many years it's been and then he tells me how many days it's been since he's been in the kingdom. Can you put a price on that? Can you put a value on that? You know know how valuable that is? Yeah, God says, yeah, I know how valuable it is. It cost me the life of my only son. That's what the king is thinking when he looks at us and when he looks at people who don't yet know him. He's just longing for people who are not yet in the kingdom to experience that. So when you give God takes those resources and multiplies them for his purposes. When you pray, the Holy Spirit takes your prayers and delivers them to the throne of God. When you serve, God empowers us and gives us the authority in the kingdom to serve under his lordship. Lordship. This is so incredibly important friends for us to live according to the will of God according to his desires and we'll never know it unless we hear him so with that said let me ask you a question what has God been saying to you today as we've gathered here for worship as we've heard from the Word of God, what has the Holy Spirit been saying to you? Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. What's God saying to you right now? From this message. From His Word. Through the Holy Spirit. Is He Does he put someone on your heart and mind? Maybe there's a battle going on in your mind. And God says, just let me take over. As we prepare for another song of worship, I want to invite you to to come and pray as we sing this song. So if the Holy Spirit is prompting you, is speaking to you, and is saying to you, yeah, I want you, I want you to move forward and I want you to pray. This will be our time. Then as we stand to sing, I want you to just make your way out of where you're seated and come down and pray. Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every single person who needs to be here praying, spending this time with you to be here, to, Lord, speak to each one of us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let's stand and worship. God's speaking to you. And come and pray.